Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, let's continue. Let's get into the word this morning. And uh, we are continuing our series, Standing on the Promises, as we've been looking at the promises of God. There was once an advertisement that was found in a Kansas newspaper, and it read like this. I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a bit like a hoax, doesn't it? But you would be amazed at the response that happened when that person put that in and said, listen, I'll just sit and listen for 30 minutes, just give me five bucks. There was a huge response. It wasn't long before the, the uh, advertisement in the newspaper was bombarded by about 10 to 20 calls a day. You know what that says? That there's a pain of loneliness. That there is a culture that is lonely. That it is so sharp that people will do anything for companionship. People will try anything and do anything. And in fact, sometimes loneliness can come and maybe it's just a moment. But sometimes that loneliness can last a lifetime. I think oftentimes when we think about loneliness, we think perhaps of maybe the widow or the widower who has lost their spouse and is maybe caught up in a little home somewhere, a little cottage somewhere, and they're just aching with loneliness. But it's not just the little widow in the cottage or the apartment that is lonely. In fact, there are some people that are very famous that are lonely. A former United States president once talked about the loneliness of the presidency. 70s rock star Janis Joplin had the world at her feet and yet she took her own life. And before she did so from a heroin overdose in a Los Angeles apartment, she had said to her friend, after I come off the stage, all I do is sit around and watch television. I'm so very lonely. You can be lonely in a crowd. Henry David Thoreau said, a city is a place of hundreds of people, are, excuse me, a city is a place where hundreds of people are lonely together. You know, sometimes the crowds only enhance loneliness, don't they? You can be lonely within a crowd. You can be lonely within a marriage. You can be lonely within a family. In fact, A.W. Tozier said, most of the world's great souls have been lonely. Albert Einstein, who was one of the greatest scientists that our world has ever known, a, 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 a great in that area, although not a Christian, said it's strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. William Carey, who was a, a missionary, great missions work in India, said these words in his diary. He wrote these words down, oh, that I had an earthly friend who I could unbosom my soul. Friends, no matter who you are, whether you're a saint or a sinner, whether you are a giant or whether you find yourself as just being small in your own eyes, you're affected by loneliness. Paul Tornieri, the, the Swiss psychiatrist, said loneliness is the most devastating malady of our age. And the truth is we have so much technology today that is designed to create connection. We've got social media and we've got text messaging like never before. And we've got all of these mediums that are designed to get us to to connect together. And yet even in the midst of all of these things to connect, there's still an absence of, of real true relationship. There's struggles where many still feel and are plagued by being alone. 
And some of you are here today, right here in our own church, and you struggle with these feelings. So as we continue this series, Standing on the Promises today, I want to look at a wonderful promise that is found actually throughout the Scripture. It's not just in one place, it's found throughout the Scripture, yet it's in this one place that that we really find uh, the promise of God that really addresses areas of loneliness, that addresses areas of fear, that addresses areas of insecurity. And the promise is plainly seen in Hebrews 13 and verse 5. We're just going to read the second half of verse 5. It says this, For he has said, meaning the Lord, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Today I want to dig into the promise of God's presence. I want to dig into the promise of God's presence. How many of you know that God is personal? God is personal. In fact, we don't just have a God who's up there, you know, in the sky, created things, and is absent from our everyday lives. In fact, the Bible says that He knows the very hairs on our head. The Bible says that He knows us intimately, He knows us by name. God is personal. And oftentimes we might think that he's just some invisible, uh, invisible God in the sky somewhere, doesn't really care. And many times we struggle to find and to experience and to relate to the personalness of God, particularly if we've experienced any kind of trouble, particularly if we've experienced pain or we've experienced tragedy in our lives. Oftentimes we can find that that becomes a barrier and can prevent us from interacting with a very personal God. In fact, the reality of these painful struggles is something that that I understand. Even as someone who grew up in the church, I grew up believing in Jesus. I had a relationship with Jesus. I grew up in the church, and I went to youth conventions, and and I went to youth camps, and and encountered times where I encountered uh, God. There were times in my life where it seemed as if God was very distant. There were times when I wondered, God, are you even there? Father, is this even real? And it was the painful circumstances at times that led to this distance and led to the whys that I could experience. Why did my parents get divorced? Why did my wife and I experience the loss of our baby boy just weeks before his official due date? Why did my stepdad, who I love so much, die of cancer after just a very few months of being diagnosed? I know that my whys are are, are, are very similar to some of your whys. You have some of the same things. Why was I diagnosed with this? Why was I diagnosed with this inoperable tumor? Why, was, why do I battle with this? Why did I lose a loved one? Why did this have to happen in my life? Why did I lose that job? Why, why, why? And oftentimes the pain and the tragedy and the difficulty can lead us to a place where we can say, God, are you really there? How can you be Emmanuel, God, with us, and yet we're experiencing these difficulties? If you've ever had questions like these or struggled with this promise or the feelings that can come of feeling alone, you're, you, you can resonate with even some of the people in the Old Testament. A guy by the name of Job who scriptures say uh, were described by God himself as blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. That, that's how Job is described in Job chapter 1. 
right there in verse 1. That's how he's described, and yet he's found wrestling as, as the Lord says, uh, Hey, have you considered my servant Job? That'll mess with your theology. And Job went through a lot of loss and went through a lot of pain, and he found himself saying this in Job 23, 2 and 3, in this struggle, today also my complaint is bitter, my hand is heavy on account of my groaning, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Job is talking about the Lord, that I might find him. Where is he? How do I know where to find him? Job, who was, who was someone who was considered blameless, someone who had walked with God, someone who had feared the Lord, had suddenly found himself because of the pain and the struggle and the loss of saying, where do I find him? God, where are you? David is another one. In fact, a man who was so close to the Lord that Scripture describes him as a man after God's own heart wrote this in Psalm 13, 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? In the midst of these situations and circumstances, David found himself questioning, God, where are you? Where are you? How long will I have to go through this? How long? How long were you, are you, have you forgotten me? Have, have any of you ever felt like this before? I, I just think I love the way that the Bible is so real. Because even the giants of the faith are able to be transparent with their feelings. Feelings like we have sometimes of struggling. God, where are you? And I think we have, to, we have to answer these questions. We have to, we have to look at these things. That we're going to talk about the promise of God's presence. And he says that, I, that I, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. We have to address there are times in our lives where we feel, where we struggle to say, God, where are you? We can't talk about the promise without wrestling with the reality that there are sometimes, even when you're walking with the Lord and you're, you're, you say, Lord, I'm following you, there are times where there are situations and circumstances we don't understand that cause us to go, God, I, I, I don't feel you. God, I, I don't know where you are. I, it feels like my prayers hit the ceiling. It, it feels like I'm just struggling. And it's in those moments that faith, Faith becomes real. It's at those moments when we don't feel or sense that those are the true testings of where, where our faith has to be put into action, where our hope in, in God's word, where our trust in his promises really come. See, for later on, David himself, who said, how long will you forget me forever? When, when he was struggling, will you hide your face from me? Later wrote in Psalm 139, 7 and 8, he said this, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. That's easy for us to understand. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's the grave, that's, that's death, that's hell. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. David is saying, it doesn't matter wherever I go. Now I can't escape your presence. And that's what we find in Scripture is that, that the promise of God is he is very personal. And although we might struggle to discern his presence, especially when facing difficult and troubling seasons, and we ask those questions like David and Job, if we really press in in faith, we will find that the promise of God still stands and that he is near. In fact, Scripture says that he is close to the brokenhearted. 
He is near to the brokenhearted. That we can, we can find that there is truth in the promise of his faithfulness and in the promise of his presence. Now let me go back to this promise. Hebrews 13, 5, a strong promise. I will never leave you. Leave carries the idea of abandonment. And abandonment means that, that I had someone, but now they've left me. I've been abandoned. They were here, but now they've left me. And, and there are people today that understand abandonment. There are children today that have had a parent that has left the marriage, that has left the family, that has abandoned them. You had a parent. The parent was present, but now they have left. Now they've abandoned. And there are people that struggle in abandonment issues. But here, the Lord says, I will not leave you. I will not abandon you. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not running off and leaving you. I'm not going off to the store and never coming home. I'm not saying I'm going to work, but then I never come back. I won't leave you. You might not feel my presence, but hang on because I'm not leaving you. I have not left you. Nor, it says, will I forsake you. Forsake, again, is that idea of abandon. It's, a, it's to desert. It's to leave alone in the field of a contest or a condition of suffering. In other words, what the Scripture is really saying is God says, I'm not going to leave you in a lurch. I'm not going to leave you in, in difficulty. There are times when we're in difficulty and we think that maybe the Lord is absent. But I'm going to tell you the Lord is not absent. He's very present. As I mentioned last week with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had to go through the fire, but he was with them in the fire. There are times when we go through the fire. There are times where we are in deep waters. There are times when we are in the boat that's being tossed back and forth by the storm. And it seems as if Jesus is not acting. He's in the bottom. He's asleep. Where are you? We're being tossed. Don't you know that, that we're going to be destroyed? And yet he's there. He's present. He's present. Sometimes he stills the wind and the waves. And sometimes he brings us through. He's present. I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. I will enter your suffering. How do we know that? Because Jesus entered our suffering. Emmanuel, God with us, entered our suffering and was willing to die on the cross. He was willing to give his life. So we may feel abandoned, but friends, we're not. He says, I will never forsake you. And the writer uses the Greek emphatic here. He uses what's called a double, there's a, there's a double negative. There's, it, it's really, really to prove a point. Sometimes people use a double negative sometimes and you're like, you like cringe. But in the Greek here, this is for emphasis sake. In fact, if we were to read this more literally, this is how it would read. If we were to read it just as the Greek has it, this is how it would read. Not never you I will abandon. Neither not never you I will forsake. When you make a promise, when people used to make a promise, they say, I cross my heart, hope to die, right? Anybody ever say that before? No, you didn't say that when you were little, you know. <laughs> when you make a promise, God is crossing his heart on this promise. He's crossing his heart on this promise. He's saying, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Never, ever, 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 ever. I will not leave you. And you know, when we look at this promise. We have to go back to when this promise was first made. And the promise was first made in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. 
And that's where we're going to camp out for a little bit, Deuteronomy 31. Then we're going to skip over to Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to jump around just a little bit. But in Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses is coming to the end of his leadership. He's coming to the end of the time. He's been leading the children of Israel. He led them out of Egypt. He's been with them for 40 years in the wilderness. And God begins to speak to Moses and let him know, Moses, your time in leadership, your time in this position is about to end. There's transition coming. And, uh, and I've got a new leader, Joshua, who's going to come. And so Moses is addressing the Israelites. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, he begins to address some wonderful benefits about the promise of God's presence. And that's what we're going to look at, the benefits. The first benefit is this, God is with us in changing circumstances. God is with us in changing circumstances. And again, the first time we hear never leaving or forsaking is is right here in this time frame when Moses is, is telling the people, listen, I'm not the one that's going to lead you into the land of promise. God made a promise to you. He's going to fulfill it, but it's not going to be under my leadership. You've had my leadership for the last 40 years. I've been the one leading you for the last 40 years. But you know what? I'm not the one that's going to take you on the next journey. In fact, there's going to be somebody else. Now, how many of you know when when there's something that you've been used to for 40 years and then it changes, that can really... That can, that can be a little disheartening, can it? I mean, let's be honest. How many of you would be honest with me today and you'd say, I struggle with change? Yeah, there are more of you that did not raise your hands. I know that. <laughs> change is hard, isn't it? Change is hard. Change is difficult. And that's what's going on is, is change. And so Moses delivering this difficult news says, listen, change is coming. So Moses continued to speak, Deuteronomy 31, starting in verse 1. Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I'm 120 years old today. Now that's a long time to live, isn't it? And I'm no longer able to go out and come in. Hmm, I wonder why. Yet he climbs a mountain before he leaves. So you tell me, I don't know. You know, the Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. And again, Moses sensing this. He's sensing the season of ministry is changing. He's sensing that there's a change that is coming in leadership for Israel. So he gathers the people together and and he's talking about this anticipated change and he continues. And this is what he promises them. The Lord God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. So what's Moses saying? Moses is saying, listen, change is coming, but God is a God who's faithful to keep his promises. That, that's, that's what he's saying. Listen, God made a promise to you, and he's going to keep his promise. God made a promise to you and is going to keep his promise. Why is that important? Because oftentimes when change comes, we wonder if what we think is going to happen will be able to be fulfilled. There are times with change where we wonder, well, what's the future going to hold? Well, are the same things going to come? And in our nation today, there's a lot of politicians that make a lot of promises that don't ever come to pass. God is not a politician. He doesn't make promises he doesn't keep. He doesn't make promises he doesn't keep. Even though the people have been unfaithful, even though the generation before this was unfaithful, God said, I will bring it to pass. I will bring to pass what I said I would do, and I will go before them. 
In the midst of change, it's really important for us to understand. And you know what? One of the things that can bring change is death. Moses is really telling the people, listen, yeah, I've lived a good long life, but my life is coming to an end. Death is one of those things. Sometimes it comes suddenly. Sometimes it's one of those things that, that, that you can see and you can anticipate coming. But nevertheless, it's never easy. Because death always means change. Something changes, and it can be very unsettling, particularly in death, where we can really experience loneliness. We can really experience a difficulty because of that kind of a change. But Moses says, listen, just because my time is ending does not mean that the promise is going to stop. For the promise isn't about me. The promise is about what God wants to do for you. Death is not the end. It's not the end. It might be the end of a season. In fact, what it would signal is the end of a season of wandering in the wilderness and the beginning of a season of taking hold of what God had said. Change is difficult, but let me, let me just say this. Change is difficult, but if you will embrace that sometimes things need to die before new things can be birthed, before new things can, can take hold, when you begin to understand that that's the pattern and that doesn't necessarily signal an end, it just singles, signals a new season, you can begin to embrace and say, okay, Lord, I don't like this. I don't think they had to like this. I don't like this, but I can embrace this when I know that you're with me. When I know that your presence is with me, I can embrace it. When I know that, that, that you've got promises that I've yet to take hold of, I can begin to embrace it. I don't have to like it, but I can begin to embrace if I know that you are in it. Listen, there is a process for grief, and by no means... Am I, am I telling anyone that you've got to end your grief? You do have to go through the process. But as you go through the process, you begin to move to a place where you say, okay, Lord, I didn't like that. That was painful. I would have chosen something different. But Lord, what do you have for me that I need to embrace right now? What do I need to begin to move forward in right now? So this is what Mo Moses is saying. Listen, I will not leave you. I will go before you. And this is what at verse 6, Moses continues. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. And listen to what it says. He will not leave you or forsake you. See, there's the promise. He's saying, I will not leave you or forsake you. My presence will go with you and I will be with you. Moses says, listen, Joshua is the one who's going to lead. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Joshua, that's a little bit overwhelming for me. Because I've watched what's gone on. Joshua was Moses' apprentice. He was, he was, he was, he was, the, he was the leader of the army and the military. He was, he was somebody that had walked close with Moses, and he had watched what Moses went through. He had saw every time that the people complained and rebelled against God and complained, and, oh, oh, we want to go back to Egypt. Oh, we don't want to do this. Oh, we don't like this. Oh, we don't trust you. Oh, there's somebody else that should lead us. We're going to get a rebellion up, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna follow them, and they're going to take us back to Egypt. And he 
had seen the pain that Moses and leadership had went through. And I don't know about you, but when you watch something like that, you're going, what? You want me? That's going to be my role now? Right? If I'm Joshua, even in the midst of the transition, I'm thinking, no, 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 Mo, you ain't going nowhere. I don't mind being under your leadership. You take all the heat. Why do I got to do that? But God says, no, Joshua is going to be the one to lead them. And this is God's words to Joshua, Deuteronomy 31.8 through Moses. It's the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. Look at the promise. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. It's the same promise. It's corporate and personal. It's corporate and personal. It's not just for the church. God doesn't just say, listen, this is my church. This is my body. I'm not leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. But he says to us personally, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. My presence will be with you. God desires for us to walk in his presence. God desires for us to understand his presence. And his presence is the very thing that gives us courage to be able to go through changing circumstances. When life is changing, whether we saw it coming or we didn't, whether it happened or it didn't, we don't have to fear, but we can have courage to walk in the midst of the change because God promises, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you, I will be with you. William Frey tells a story about his youth. He was volunteering to read to a blind student by the name of John. And so one day, uh, Frey asked John, he said, how did you lose your sight? And John replied, well, a chemical explosion at the age of 13. And so Frey then asked John, well, how did that make you feel? And John said, well, I felt like life was over. I I felt helpless. I I hated God. John went on to say, for the first six months, I did nothing to improve my lot in life. I ate all my meals alone in my room. One day, my father came into my room and he said, John... Winter's coming, and the storm windows need to be up, and that's your job. Now, John was blind. He said, "I," and his father continued, I want those hung by the time I get back this evening or else. He turned around, he walked out of the room, and he slammed the door, and John explained at that moment, I was so angry. I thought, who does he think I am? I'm blind. He said, I just, I was so angry that, you know what? I said, you know what? Fine, I'm going to try it. I, I'm going I'm to try to do this. And so he said, you know what? This is what's going to happen. I muttered all the way to the garage. I felt my way through. I found the windows. I located the necessary tools. I found the louder. Meanwhile, I kept saying, you know what? I'll show them. I'll show them. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to fall off this ladder. I'm going to get hurt. Then they're going to have a blind and paralyzed son. And that, see how they like that. Well, John continued. And eventually he said, I got all the windows up and I didn't get hurt. And he said this, what I found out later was that never at any moment was my father more than five feet by my side. We don't like change, but sometimes we need change. Sometimes the painful circumstances, the difficult circumstances, the tough love, where we don't feel God's presence, where we feel as if God is being harsh, where God is being difficult, why did you allow me to go through this? And we think, God, where are you in the midst of this? God is standing right there. We may not recognize it, but he is with us. He is watching over us, but he knows that sometimes we need the change. Sometimes we need the push to do what we're afraid to do. It's the very thing that we need to grow. 
Secondly, God is with us in challenging circumstances. Joshua leading the people would not be easy. I mentioned that earlier. The plan was laid out. And, and the plan was that there would be a promised land. The problem was is that there were, there were people still living in the land. There were nations that were still living in the land, nations that did not honor God, nations that did not worship God, nations that were ruthless. They were fortified like Jericho that had very high walls. They had armies that were huge. This was just a a fledgling nation just beginning as a nation that had been wandering around in the wilderness, even trusting, even, even struggling to trust in God. They, they were struggling, and so here's Joshua to take this leadership, and Joshua was one of the spies who had, who had gone out in Numbers chapter 13. He was one of the ones that saw how large the armies were. He was one of the ones that saw how big the people were, and early on, as a younger man, he and Caleb were like, no, if God, if we can do it, we can take the land, yet there was a group of 10 that said, no, 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 if we go in there, we're going to die, they're too big for us, we can't do it. Now, years later, Joshua, knowing what's before him, knowing that obtaining the promises of God is not without battle. Let me say that again. That's extra, and some of you need to hear it. Obtaining the promises of God is not without battle. We live, there there are spiritual battles. We live with spiritual warfare. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the enemy does not want you to obtain the promises of God, and there will be spiritual warfare. The enemy will do everything he can to battle. But you need not fear, because God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will go before you. There are ways in which we fight. We fight those battles spiritually. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. There will be battles. Sometimes people think Christianity is just easy. I give my life to Christ and everything just ought to be nice and easy. It's not that way. Because when you give your life to Christ, you open yourself up to a spiritual battle and a very real enemy that is opposing you. But understand this. God says, you're not alone. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. In fact, God reassures Joshua later on, Moses dies, and Joshua chapter 1 opens by basically saying that, that Moses is dead, and they were grieving, and there was a period of grieving, but God finally comes to Joshua and says, okay, okay, I know that my servant Moses is dead, but it's time, let's go. It's time. It's time to move forward. It's time to get going. It's time. Let's go. And this is what he says to him, Joshua chapter 1, 5 and 6 No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Isn't that an amazing assurance? It's not just that I will be with you, but as I was with Moses, I will be with you. As I was with Moses. Now Joshua knew. Joshua, when when facing these these challenging circumstances, he needed to understand that he was not alone. But he also understood that that how the Lord was with Moses. And at an earlier point in Moses' leadership, God had brought the people to Mount Sinai. And it was there that he revealed his presence to his people, his, his, his awesome presence to his people. And it was there that he invited Moses up to the mountain. And it was there that he was giving Moses the the, the Ten Commandments that were there, laws to govern his people. But while Moses was up on the mountain, he was gone a little bit too long for the people. How many know sometimes we grow impatient? 
right? God had put a pause. We're not going to the promised land yet. Let's stop at the mountain. I want to establish a couple of things first. And they're like, well, that Moses guy, he's probably dead. So, you know, what do they do? They said, well, we need a God to worship. What did they know? They knew the way they worshiped in Egypt because that's where they came out of. They had a slave mentality that had not been changed yet. And in their slave mentality, they said, hey, let's make for us a God. So they took all their gold earrings and all their gold jewelry and all the stuff they had gotten when they had left out of Egypt. And and so Aaron forms this golden calf. And a calf was one of the idols they worshiped in Egypt. And they began to worship an idol. God's not happy. How many of you know when you worship an idol, God's not happy? God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not happy. Moses wasn't happy. Moses wasn't happy. He came down. He broke the, the commandments. Let me tell you that. He was not happy. He was not happy. He was, God was, was angry at the people. And in the very next chapter, God says, listen, you go. Moses, well, I'm going to destroy all this people. I'm going I'm to have a people that I'm going to make a nation out of you. And, 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 and we're just going to get rid of all this. I, I'm done with this. And, 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 and Moses, this is what he says, Exodus 33, 3, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I'll not go up among you lest I consume you on the way for you're a stiff-necked people. So basically what he's saying is God is saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with this people, so you know what, here you go. I, gotta, I, I told them they could go into this land. I told them I'd give them this land, fine, go. But I'm, not, I'm no longer going to be the, the God for this people. I'm done. I'm done. I'll send an angel ahead, whatever, I'll go. But my presence isn't going to go. I'm not going. You go ahead and go because I, I do what I promise, so go ahead and go. But I'm not going. I'm not going. And Moses didn't want the promise without his presence. Moses didn't want the promise without the presence of the Lord. So what does he do? Well, in verse 7 of Exodus 33, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up. Each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, look at this, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. The pillar was representing the very presence of God. It would lead them during the day. And the pillar would come, and there Moses would commune with God. And what's interesting here, when we, when we look at this, Joshua is watching this. In Exodus 33, 11, it says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Isn't that good? Speak face to face. They would have face to face interaction face-to-face. So this is, this is happening right after. This is happening right after the golden calf, after God is so angry. And in verse 3, God said, listen, you just go, and I'm not going. And Moses says, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's get in the tent. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Challenging circumstances. Challenging circumstances. What do we do in challenging circumstances? Moses gets in the tent. Moses begins to commune. And what, is, what does Joshua do? Is when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. What we learn is early on in Joshua's life, before he was ever leader over the people, he learned how to value the presence of the Lord. 
He learned how to value getting into the presence of the Lord. He had watched it with Moses that when there are challenging circumstances, when there are circumstances you just don't know, what am I going to do? Where do I go? How do I handle this? He watched as Moses decided to get into the very presence of God. And Joshua said, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to hang around too because that's the place I need to be. That's the place I need to be. I need to be in the presence of God of the Lord. Moses valued the presence of the Lord so much that later he said to God, listen, if your presence does not go up with us, we will not depart from this place. We're not going to go. Unless your presence is with us, we're not going to go. That might be your promise, but without your presence, we don't want your promise. Friends, in your prayer life, and you're asking the Lord for things, are the answers to to your prayers more important than the presence of God? Would you be content if God answered your prayers, but he didn't allow you to remain with his presence? See, there are a lot of us that that is what it is. That's our prayer lives. are like rubbing the genie. Oh, God, the circum- just get me out of these circumstances. Get me out of these circumstances. And we get out of the circumstances, and we forget God. We forget about a relationship with God. We go on living our lives however we want, and we say, well, you know, I got through that. Oh, that, well, I thank you, Lord, that I got through that. But now I'm going to live my life my way. Moses says, no, 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 no. We, we don't, I, I, I don't want the answer. I don't want the promise. I value your presence more. And Joshua began to learn that. Joshua learned that. He learned that if he was going to have courage, if he was going to, if he was going to move forward, he needed to, to stay in the presence of the Lord and allow the Lord to go before, allow the Lord to be the one to fight the battle, allow the Lord to give him victory so that at the end of his life, he would say, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to encourage you today that God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. It is not God who walks away. It is not God who abandons. There are times we disobey and we go off on our own and God is saying, come on, come on, come on. He doesn't leave us nor forsake us. Whether your circumstances are changing or whether your circumstances are challenging, the Lord does not lead us, leave us nor forsake us. This morning as I was praying through my message and saying, Lord, I get to the end. What do I, I don't really have, what am I going to end with? Lord, where do you want to go with this? I came across a social media feed. I don't get on there very often, but today I did. And this is what I came across, a story on social media written by a woman by the name of uh, Joanna. And it struck a chord. She wrote this, at school I was bullied quite a bit. Every day, the other kids would throw stones at me as I walked home. Then she said this, a very popular girl called Nicole started walking with me because no one would throw stones at her if she was there. I never acknowledged what she did or said thank you, even though I knew why she was doing it. She would just appear by my side and start walking, risking her popularity by being seen with me. She said this, I've not seen Nicole in years, but from time to time, I would remember what she did. I just found out that Nicole died a couple of days ago. She said, I don't know why I'm writing this except to say that I've thought a lot over the years about the kids who threw the stones, but I've not given enough thought to Nicole. 
Let me just stop there. Sometimes in changing or challenging circumstances, we focus so much on the negative that is happening to us that we don't see the God who is standing right by our side, whose presence never leaves us or forsakes us. We don't see the stones that he takes, and we forget about the nails that he took in his hands and his feet. Forget about the spear in his side, the thorns on his head. We forget about what he endured to say, my reputation as the Son of God, I will lay aside so that I can be Emmanuel, God with us, so that I can come and I can walk and be that great high priest who's not unable to sympathize with your weaknesses, but in every way was tempted and tried as you were, yet was without sin. And I took your place. I took that suffering. I took that shame. I did not consider my popularity or my reputation a thing to be grasped, but rather I chose to lay my life down so that forever you would not have to be separated from my heavenly Father, but forever you could begin to... to to come back in relationship. Together, you can enjoy that relationship and you can enjoy that promise that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Though you walk, though some throw stones, I am with you. I will not abandon you. I will not abandon you. Friends, maybe you have a relationship with Christ and maybe you don't today. Maybe you're struggling with loneliness. I want you to know that Jesus has made a way that you can begin to have his Holy Spirit living in you and you can begin to know the presence of the Lord that no matter what circumstances you're facing, changing or challenging, the Lord says, I will not abandon you. I will not leave you. I am right by your side. Let's bow our heads today. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe at one time you had, you had said a prayer of commitment. One time you were walking with the Lord, but maybe you began to take steps away, and you're here today, whether it's your first time or whether you've walked away and you say, I, 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 need, I need a relationship with Jesus today. I need my sins forgiven today. And, and I, I need Jesus. I need Jesus today. If that's you and you say, I need his salvation or I need to come back to the Lord today, will you slip up your hand today? I want to lead you. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith in Jesus Christ. I need Jesus today. You're here. I need Jesus. Thank you. I need Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I want to just pause for a moment with those that raise their hands right now. And if we could just pray, let's just, just ask the Lord again to forgive us and, and just invite Jesus into our lives today. Will you pray with us today? Dear Jesus, I thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. I confess today that I have sinned and that I need your forgiveness, that I need a Savior. I need a relationship with you, Jesus. So I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to cleanse me, 
and I ask you to come into my life. I want a relationship with you. I want to walk with you. I need you, Jesus. Thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now we're not done. Some of you know the Lord, but you are just really struggling right now. You're struggling with loneliness. You're struggling with difficult circumstances. You're drug- struggling to sense the presence of the Lord. And today, you need prayer. Today, you need prayer. I want to pray with you today. We want to pray with you today. And so I'm just going to ask again, if that's you today, and you say, you know, I'm just struggling. Maybe, you, maybe you're going through grief. Maybe you're just really struggling to sense the presence of the Lord. This is not a shame thing. Every one of us has been there. And you would just acknowledge and say, Pastor, I'm just going through that time. I just need the Lord. I need the Lord. I need to know that he's near. I just need prayer today. Will you slip up your hand? I need prayer today. Yeah, all over. Jesus, <laughs> you're near the brokenhearted. Father, when we walk through the fire, we will not be burned, for you're with us. If we walk through the waters, we shall not be overwhelmed, for you are with us. Lord, in the middle of the storm, you're with us. Father, right now, I just pray, those in the midst of these circumstances, that, Lord, they would just sense, and they would know, and they would hang on to your promise that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never abandon you. Lord, I pray that they will sense your presence. I pray, Lord, that you will be near. You will be near. Lord, if you're able to deliver, I know you're able. If it's your will to deliver, I pray deliverance in Jesus' name. Father, if you're walking a path through, I pray, Lord, that they would sense you near and know that you are near. The promise of your presence. Father, we thank you for your presence. We honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand, and we're just going to close just with a song of worship to the Lord today. I invite you to to do that. The altars are open. If you want to come, and maybe you just want to spend some time, maybe you say, I just need to spend some time in the presence of the Lord, or maybe you want prayer. Our prayer team will be here. You want prayer. Maybe you, you gave your life to Christ. You want to talk with someone. We'd love to connect with you. As we just sing, will you come? Will you come and do that? If you need to go, God bless you. Uh, Kenji and Sierra are going to be out at the table. I encourage you to stop by and grab a prayer card as well. Come on, let's just close with a time of worship in the presence of the Lord. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.